You are listening to the Berlin House Music Podcast. Okay. <clears throat> And we're live. Live. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone. This episode, we have Marie Midori. You sound a bit like the blind boy. This is this guy that I'm listening to the podcast. Okay. Because he ah, he's, he's, he's blind. No, he's not. He's just wearing a plastic bag on his head. What? <laughs> he's wearing this. <laughs> I'm actually not. That was one thing I was wondering. Is he actually wearing this plastic bag while he's recording? Because that would make a lot of noise. But I think he does. He is wearing a plastic. Yeah. So the, the reason behind that is that um, he doesn't want to be like um, in public. He doesn't want to be known who he is. Ah, but he still uploads like video of him with a plastic bag. Um, actually, it's just a podcast, so... But I think it's just his, like, trademark. But is he wearing it during the podcast? I'm not sure. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, right? Because you don't see the person anyways. But uh, I think he does. I think because once he mentioned it, and that uh, he actually... Is, but he's wearing, like, a bag that is, um, like, especially, like, fabric... Uh, fab, how do you say? Especially made for him. So... Okay. It's like a designer plastic bag. Okay. <laughs> I know it sounds really stupid, but like, I really like this podcast. And it just reminded me the way you started yes. talking, because he always goes like, welcome you glorious cunts. And then he's like, he's cursing a lot, which I really like. He says a lot of like fucking and like, I really like that. We, we cannot have those words on the oh, show. I'm sorry. Am I going to get censored? <laughs> You are. We're just gonna put like peeps. I think you invited time. the wrong person because <laughs> I, I think I'm swearing a lot in my everyday language. <laughs> no, I think it's fine. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you'll see. I think generally we don't want to offend anyone, you know, that's like an important thing. But I think because some words, some cursing words are classified then to, you know. Uh, to be like sexist, for example. I think like the C word that you just said before <laughs> yeah, is maybe. one of them. Well, I was just giving an example of how yes. how he sometimes talks, but um, which is actually interesting because he's very, very feminist. He always talks about feminist topics. So that doesn't really make sense. Well, it depends how you kind of see the word because what I learned um, from a different podcast, actually, mm-hmm. um, was a dude who wrote like a, a song and was about like it was a rap kind of thing but there was the word hoe like don't be a hoe mm-hmm. but the word hoe was like for the girls and for the guys because being a hoe is just like being a hoe you know it doesn't matter if you're like what sex you are okay i mean you, it's like the behavior the behavior of a you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay but that's The way you interpret it, right? Or No, th- so that's the thing. The interviewer basically then asked him about it and it was like, okay, it's for both. It's like not just like for women in his, from his perspective. Yeah. How he wrote it basically. Yeah, I mean, okay. I understand. So I think in the same way, you know, if you use then cunt. Sure. In, you know, yeah, for sure. a person who is being cunty <laughs> or just for fun yeah. than actually describing. Yeah, I think it's like always very depending on who you're talking to. And I mean, people get defend, uh, 
offended on of different things, right? And uh, I don't know. I think some people are just taking things sometimes, you know, of course it's important to be politically correct and to not offend anyone, but you should also be able to, to speak the way it's naturally coming to you. You know, like it's, it's, a, it's a difficult topic for sure. Um, and if, if I'm, not, I'm, I'm definitely not saying you should be able to use any word you want. There's for sure words that you shouldn't use. Um, but yeah, there's like these words like the cunt, <laughs> which is definitely like a gray zone. Um, and I'm sure there's like some raging feminists who, who go batshit crazy when you use it and they get very angry. And then on the other hand, it's it's a word that's used a lot. So I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's never black and white. That's what I'm saying. True. I guess. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of gray. A lot of gray. A, and a, a lot, lot of, of perspective. Perspectives. Perspectives. I guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> what about a little introduction of... Marie Midori. The introduction? Yes. Well, what do you want to know? So, like, <laughs> your name? <laughs> oh, you just said it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, but, like, what you kind of, what you kind of do in the daily life. Not at the moment, but kind of, you know, okay. more in the DJ kind of vibe. Okay. So, before Corona, let's say that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been... I've been half like half DJing, half working in a bar club thing called Quick Belma, which was mentioned previously. Yes. <laughs> um, a couple of times. Um, yeah, basically, I've been since 2014, I've been very engaged in the club scene and uh, working in different positions, getting to know how getting to know the work in in the night scene and also learning how to make it sustainable for myself because I knew that I knew from I mean I knew quite soon that this is the area I want to work in and I want to stay in and in order to be able to to work there for a longer time because of course it's it's tiring to work in nightlife it's like unnatural rhythm a lot of parties um in order to be able to do that, yeah, I've been learning to sustain myself. Can you say that? I don't know. But sure. Okay, I guess people get... You have me. my permission. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been, yeah, just working a lot. Uh, then I've, I, at some point I landed at Craig Belma, where I started working at the bar. And then very soon I was given uh, night manager shifts. And um, then I also started doing bookings and the social media like taking care of you know facebook posts and stuff like that and um just generally like yeah doing a lot of uh, so thing is like i studied german language so uh, i think it's okay to say that i'm quite okay with like in writing texts and stuff um and yeah so i started just doing a lot of posts and generally like whenever there's something that needs to be in a written form I do that in Edward Bama you know even if it's just a sign that says please put your mask on or whatever like yeah this kind of stuff and uh, yeah and the other time is uh, like the main thing that I want to get at is uh, DJing and um, which is also the reason why I 
I'm working in nightlife because I want to work at a, at a place where it's somehow connected to my passion, so-called. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And when you started, like, what's the first stuff that you played, actually, when you started DJing? Because <laughs> I think that's very interesting. <laughs> I know from my side, it's like, you know, I came to the housey side of things. Okay, so this is going to be the embarrassing story about my <laughs> past. <laughs> All right, so, okay, then I have to, like, go back to the very beginning, I guess, when I started going clubbing. Okay. Um, so, yeah, in the beginning, when I started going clubbing, I went to places like Kata a lot, um, places where they play a lot of tech house, and which was also the, the kind of music that got me hooked first. Um, and then after a while, you know, so I started DJing basically because I've always had an interest in collecting music, even before, even before I, I got into electronic music, actually. Um, and then I started going to clubs and like quite often. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with what the DJs played. Like the sets were boring. They didn't really get me hooked anymore so much. Um, and I thought like, it cannot be this, that it can't be that fucking hard to, to make a nice set. I don't know. I, I, I it was very hard for me to understand, uh, why there were so many, like, in my opinion, not so good DJs. Yeah. Um, and I've already like started collecting music, just uh, electronic music, just for fun. And um, then I was very lucky because my phone, my flatmate at that time, he had two turntables that he didn't use. Um, so I just asked him if I could borrow them. He said yes. I put them up in my room. I bought a mixer and uh, I bought some records. And I had a good, very good friend at that time, uh, who who I went partying with a lot, and she. So we decided to start doing it together, like learning to mix. And we would meet regularly, like would both collect music. And uh, yeah, that was a great way to start. So yeah, but I started like my first records. Actually, my very first records were from Italo Johnson, which I still like. Ah, nice. So I'm still actually, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit proud of that, that like, you know, my <laughs> very first records are still the ones that I actually play. But those were perfect for like mixing because, they, you know, the, the rhythms are super simple, very clear. Um, and that was perfect practice to to learn beat matching on 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 records and then yeah i got a lot we got so we started playing djing together me and my friend and uh we started playing a lot of like you know like this um ghetto house stuff but like there's very different styles of ghetto house right so it was like this yeah i would say a bit cheap <laughs> ghetto house <laughs> that we really liked um, so yeah, that's actually where I started off. And, um, from there, it's interesting how, yeah, how the, how the taste changes over years, but I guess it's normal. Like, um, after a while you just realize that the whole, like rhythms and the patterns of this kind of style of music, it's always the same and it's very simple and very, it gets boring. Like the beats just repeats themselves again and again for like four minutes. And, uh, yeah, after a while, you just realize it's boring and then you look for stuff that is a bit more challenging to for your own understanding, I guess. Um, and that's how my taste evolved over the years to where I am now. And uh, and it's interesting because I'm looking back at the music from back then and I'm like, ooh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, but I guess it's normal, yeah. Yes. I mean, but yeah, you've, you, I don't know. Do you never reach this point where you're like getting bored of music or 
you hear stuff from a couple of years ago and you you don't think it's good anymore? Well, I had this like in the beginning more because I had a journey through music myself. Um, but I landed on house music and since I landed on it, basically, that's the main thing. Yeah, It's like I, I'm not, It's that's it. It's like this is the actual music that I really, really of course, I have like other tastes of music that's really nice and stuff, but house just stays the same. So let's say the sets that I made three years ago are still relevant. Okay. You know? Yeah, I can say that for myself, for example. I mean, I also had like a phase. I mean, that's why we got to know each other, right? Where yes. we used to play more like classical house. Yes. Um, but the same, like, I mean, I still like it, but it's just not, for me personally, it's not so interesting anymore. And um, I guess it's a very yeah different way of approaching things. And uh, sometimes you just feel like you want to keep developing or you want to keep finding new things or like different styles and uh, like for me it's always been like that I've been interested in things for a cup for t some time and then I get bored of it and I need to move on to something else and that's exactly what happened for me with music um, so of course I'm now at the moment where I'm thinking yeah like this is the, my style and uh, I'm not gonna you know like I that's not it's not gonna change that much anymore but who knows I mean, can always happen, right? Maybe in, in one year I'm going to be into like... Hard techno. Hard techno. <laughs> exactly. Or gamma or whatever, you know. Who knows? Whoa. Who knows where the journey like brings you. True. Yeah. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, yeah, and I think generally it is interesting to then... Um, for example, you started mixing breakbeats into like the housey stuff like in the beginning, you know. And yeah. then it's like, okay, it's very interesting because every breakbeats uh, had like a different structure and then it's it always a challenge kind of to get the mixing right yeah for sure i mean generally i would say i i really like to mix different genres together but um as for me that is kind of i see the challenge in that because um yeah at some point i was like let's say like if i go back to this house music phase that i had it's just, yeah, it's it's like always more or less the same rhythms, right? And um, at some point, I'm just okay. Like, been there, done that. Yeah. Now I want to try something else. And um, that's when I started, yeah, experimenting with different kind of structures in music and rhythms, right? And uh, I like to mix like a four to the floor track with breakbeat and then go back again and like play also with the energy of, of music because I think that's where the beauty is in it to like kind of put draw connections where there's actually not really a connection yeah or there's maybe just an emotional connection in the music like you have two very different tracks like let's say one is four to the floor techno one is a breakbeat track but somehow they both have a similar like to me it's a lot about feelings in the music and somehow they have a similar kind of vibe mm -hmm. oh, i feel it's a similar vibe so i try to mix them together and I guess that's how how it happens mostly in my in my sets, but um, I can also see that sometimes it might be a bit too much, <laughs> because I'm like yeah I'm going all over the place sometimes and in some sets I can tell okay this was maybe a bit too random for some people, yeah. But uh, I'd rather have it that way than just playing the same style for two hours, which personally for me is super boring. And uh, also I get like I get that it's very different 
styles for people also who dare go to the club. Some people want to get lost in this like meditative state of like having the same kind of vibe for two hours and just, you know, just letting go and like, yeah, as I said, meditating in the dancing. But for me, it's more like I want to explore different emotions in a set. So I need, I need a lot of change. Um, and I guess it's just very different, like character, like what kind of type of person you are and uh, what do you, what do you actually want to have when you go dancing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think generally what I experience when I'm looking at DJs that I know personally um, and how their sets vary it is also very linked of their state of mind at that time you know yeah it's kind of an express it, it is an expression of feelings that you're feeling at that time because that's probably the music you're listening to that's the vibe you're into at that time yeah for sure and I mean especially when you're let's say it's Sunday Monday morning <laughs> And you've been in the club for like 20 hours or whatever. And uh, then you may be at this point where you're so exhausted already. I mean, you're not ready to go home yet, but you're too tired to have a super experimental set that changes the emotions every every three tracks, right? Yeah. And then it can definitely be nice to have like the same kind of vibe for two hours. And um, yeah, I guess I think I think every every style of set has has its... Um, the word for that in English it's a very good German word Daseinsberechtigung <laughs> it means like you know it has the right to be there yeah. um, but it just needs to be it just have to find the right place at the right time kind of yeah I guess so do you actually record most of your sets of all of your, uh, all of your sets when you're playing at the clubs um, actually no and um, one of my best friends he always like kind of wants to beat me for it that I don't record and he's, he's like getting really angry at me for not recording. Um, but no, I just, I don't know. For me, it's, I, I want to have it like, I mean, I understand the logic behind it that of course it's good to have, to have recordings that you can put out at some point. Let's say if someone asks you for a podcast or something. Um, but I don't, I don't like that because, um, for me, it's like I go to the club and I play the set in that moment, and it's it's for that moment. It's for that. It's made like it's created in that moment. It's it's created because of where I am. What's the vibe? What kind of people are there? What time it is? And um, the thing is, if you if you have the recording and you listen to it afterwards, you will never be able to to like. It's not the same because it misses the whole like background information. You get me? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I don't like to do this. And um, it's the same when I record a mix box or a podcast. I don't want to, to just send in something pre-recorded, as in, like, something that was recorded in a club because it's it's just not right to me. Like, it's not the it's not the right vibe for it. Like, a, a podcast that you record or, like, a mix that you record for home listening, it, it's, for me, it's a whole different thing. And it has complete different criteria of what it should like in my opinion what it should be and what it should where it should um lead the the people who listen to it to yeah so you record a special mix for everyone who asks you for like a mix yeah i do and it's yeah it's a lot of work but um i guess i, I wouldn't feel like it would be the right thing i like it would feel i would feel dishonest to um to not do it like that yeah yeah yeah, well, there are also a lot of people who record, let's say, four or five mixes ahead 
and then yeah you know just give it around but a lot of djc is it is like promo tool yeah to have content to share it <clears throat> sure but yeah i think there's just so much of it out, out there right like there's like a million tons of djs and um there's so many mixes out there and uh we're just like flooding in like mixes you know and uh so i think it's diff like i don't want to create content just to have like a mess of thing that I can put out, right? Um, for me, it's like, so I'm very, 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 perf uh, like, how do you say, it? like, self, I'm a very, very perf perfection. perfectionist. Perfectionist, yeah. And um, I would, yeah, it's just, it doesn't feel right. It's just all I can say. <laughs> like, I mean, I know a lot of people who just, you know, they play re records at home just randomly and then they press record and they cut out, like, the best one or two hours of it and they, use that as a podcast yeah and um for me that's yeah that's like you have like a random selection basically and you're not really you haven't really put thought in like how the mix should be especially when you record let's say it's a one hour mix that you record for someone one hour is not long you have like let's say between 12 and 20 tracks in one hour um so there's not much time to recreate a certain kind of vibe and um if you just play randomly, you will never be able to like really create something out of it. I think. True. Mm. And this is very interesting compared to different kind of genres or let's say a little bit of comparison to the scene in the Netherlands where a lot of it was like you get half an hour or a lot of DJs on the big festivals were like half an hour, 45 minutes max. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's a very different vibe here because here you start at like, you know. Wait, so you have DJs hours. playing half an hour? Yeah, yeah. What? That's like six tracks, yes. seven tracks? Well, depends. The mixing depends also on the genre. Okay, sure. So then let's say if it's more commercial, which many of the festivals are, then it's a bit more like uh, build up and drop. Mm -hmm. Then you can mix on. But like you know. half an hour, you cannot, how can you create something in half an hour? You don't. <laughs> it's, it's also like for the people who dance, it's really, it's, I don't know, like, it's tough to get into it then because like every half hour it changes. So it could be like complete break, right? Like after, well, okay, interesting. It is. <clears throat> so that um, was a bit of a, it was like very nice to experience when I came to Berlin also that the sets are generally longer. So you have your time to yeah definitely. like go through a whole journey basically of music definitely i mean you also need the time to get into it get in the flow like change the vibe you know get get the people to like listen to what you're doing actually yeah um and that was something i was really interesting for me to experience um for example like the longest sets i've played were at uh, golden gate like i played the closing at the donna dogger it's like a thursday thursday party at um, Golden Gate and these parties were known for like going very very long so yeah. they would start at midnight and then they would go to like 2 p.m. minimum <laughs> like I mean depending on how many people are there of course in the end but um, and there I had like I had the closing slot so it's basically open end till the night manager says okay it's enough like we're gonna close now okay and sometimes yeah I would play for like six hours or something right I would start at nine and then play till three in the afternoon yeah and um, of course, it's very challenging because it's very long. It's very exhausting, especially you basically get up in the morning 
and you just go to the club, you know, like super tired. Yeah. Um, but also I feel like it's like, I love to play closings, I have to say, because um, you get the crowd, you get the people who are, you know, they've been partying all night. So they've been, they're already in the zone very much. And um, also the people like, let's say people who are just to just go clubbing for the clubbing experience, not because they're really interested in music. They've been very likely to have uh, gone home already because uh, they probably stay for like five, six hours and then they go home. So you only have like the the hard ravers left, <laughs> basically. Um, and that's very nice. And then you start playing and it's funny because when people start like, so there's sometimes very different kind of style before me and then I start playing and I can tell that the people that need some time to like get used to the new vibe I'm giving them and they need time to like settle in to the new style they they are being presented now. And um, and I really like that because I can tell in the beginning there's it's very often like that the people, you know, they're on the dance floor, they're talking to each other, they maybe, you know, it's, it's a break, there's a new DJ, so they would go to the toilet or would go and get a new drink. Um, and so the first half hour, hour is always a bit difficult because... I'm getting very insecure because people leaving the dance floor, I'm not sure. I feel like they're not really into it. And then after an hour, you can really see or you can really tell how the energy gets more concentrated on the music again and how they stop talking, you know, and they really like let go and they just are there in the moment. And that's super beautiful. And then after this hour, you can really you have feel like you feel like you're, you're having the strings in your hand now and you yeah. can pull it in different directions. And that's when the fun really starts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think um, this is the thing when you're having energy bouncing between you and the crowd, basically. And in the beginning, it's always like this because the previous DJ was obviously playing like for a longer set and then yeah. they're vibing on with his vibe. Then you come with the new energy. They need to get used to it for sure. But I always notice this. Like, it doesn't matter whenever a DJ is changing, people will go get some drinks, people yeah, will go course. to the bathroom. Of course. People will have a little break, you know. Which is funny because in the beginning, it's when you're most nervous, right? So this is where you need it the most. <laughs> Basically, you need this this uh, confirmation <clears throat> of the people the most, and that's where you don't get it. Yes. <laughs> I had it actually once. Um, I played after a really, 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 like, shitty DJ. <laughs> Basically, the first track that I played, everyone was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That someone yeah. came that was actually knowing what he does. That's um, true. That's true. So that was actually, that was a very great feeling. Because that, I, came, yeah. I was super insecure. I was like nervous. <laughs> and then I went up there and I killed it. Yeah, yeah, true. Sometimes <laughs> you get like, you, you're you getting very lucky. And if, yeah. if like people have been like, let's say, a bit unlucky with the music all night. Yes. They're going to be very grateful if someone if someone finally comes up and gives them what they've been longing for all night, right? True. So, yeah, sometimes but also on the other, this is like a, I would say a two how to say two-sided sword mm -hmm. <laughs> because it can also go the other direction like if you're very unlucky and you're the last one playing, yeah. you have the last slot. And let's say the music hasn't been good all night, it's very likely that most people have left already also. So you you're very dependent on the people who play before you. Yeah. Which is why this is like the only point where i don't like uh closing so much because yeah you you have no you have no power over what happens in that night and um you're like totally depending on on what happened before yes so that that sucks <laughs> yeah yeah i think with closing generally i find it hard 
um, because I don't last so long, like <laughs> in the night. <laughs> You're not I, too warrior. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I can, you know, I can go to like 10, 12 maximum the next day, you know. Mm. It's like start at 12, go till 12 in the like afternoon or like noon. And that's it. Yeah, but then you sleep before, right? Yes. Then I'm just done. My body doesn't work anymore. I need to go. I don't yeah, s- no, but I mean, if you have, let's say you play the closing. Yes. I mean, depending on what time it is, but you can go to sleep in the night and then just yes, go yes. fresh, Yes, yes. And right? this is exactly. But this is the thing that I've like done a lot of times, but then I come fresh and the people, let's say, have been partying all night. They're like sweaty and you just see the party <laughs> vibe going on, you know, and then you just come super fresh and there is kind of this... Um, the people are kind of grossed out by your freshness. <laughs> they smell you've just been in the shower. <laughs> it's right? like, dude, what, 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 what are you doing here? You know, you don't, you, you're too fresh to be here. You're not on the same vibe. <laughs> so then I find it a bit hard to catch their vibe to mm-hmm. actually present a proper mm-hmm. closing that is in line with what they like, with yeah, whichever vibe that. they have been True. Okay. on, let's say. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you've never, never experienced one, I mean, you know, I go back to like, I've had these days where I've been one of the last ones in the club, right? So I kind of know how this feels. I'm not doing it anymore, but I mean, I mean, now, not at all anyways, but like also before I've been, I've been, I have like my hard party years are over for sure. <laughs> um, but I still know how it kind of feels. And um, the thing is like, yeah, I mean, I know some DJs, they just, which I wouldn't, I, I couldn't do either. Like they just go, let's say they have their gig starts at, let's say like 4 a.m. So they, they arrive 15 minutes before and then they just immediately start playing. Um, and this is also something I couldn't do because uh, you definitely need to, or I, I definitely need to um, soak in the atmosphere a bit before. So I always try to be there at least one hour before to just, you know, get into the zone a bit to like, watch the crowd a little bit to analyze, you know, what they might need. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not that much, you know, it sounds like I'm making like big analysis in my head. That's not how it is. But, um, you know, just generally like understanding the vibe and just guessing a bit what they might want, what they need and what feels right to me to play in that moment. And um, yeah, I think I couldn't just go there like 15 minutes before I would, I would feel super stressed out because I would have no idea what I should actually do. Yeah, especially if it's a place that you don't know that well, or like let's say you have never played there before, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's a. I think it's a privilege, kind of, to live in a city where the clubs are like so many clubs around Berlin, and you can just walk around and go into the club and the other club. Like not now, but. I mean, I totally forgot already how it feels. Right. Do you just remember. It's like history. Yeah. This is like. <laughs> club yeah, history. like when you when you sometimes just try to remember like these club yes. nights and just think like how many people are there on one spot and this, it feels awkward to think about like being there and no one's wearing masks. Of course, everyone's touching. You know, it's like. Yeah. You can rarely walk through the crowd, yeah, but it, to be honest, it is, it is a great feeling. Yes. It's like if course. you take out the whole germs thing and virus thing. Yeah. Somehow the energy, you go there, all the people are just chilling, having a good time. Like everybody's doing yeah. their thing, but there's still kind of people are coming together. Yes, of course. Yeah, I really miss that. And yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and just the warmth um, of, you know. The warmth of the crowd. <laughs> the warmth of the crowd. Yeah, yeah, drunk people, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. But then w let's say if people are interested in DJing, becoming a DJ in like a village, mm. that's very hard because the closest then you can go to like become a DJ is to play at the neighbor's parties and da da da, but it's going to be more all around. So you're already locked into like a certain kind of DJ image, you know, mm -hmm. the all around DJ who's going to come and play at your wedding <laughs> who does take requests kind of thing yeah. because you're never going to get into the club, especially if it's like two hour drive or by train. Yeah. But then it's also the question, what makes you actually want to become a DJ if you're not if you're not in that environment at all anyways, you know, like the internet. <laughs> ah, true. I never thought about that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, true. That's actually a good answer. True. You can watch it on Yeah, true, actually. Or mm -hmm. maybe you like go to a couple of festivals. You know, yeah, true. It's very true. Like, mm. hmm, I like this. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I somehow, yeah, the internet is the best solution. <laughs> but I never think about it much. I'm, uh, yeah, very analog sometimes, I guess. Also analog thinking. So, this, yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, clubbing. Do you have any kind of expectations, ideas of what's going to happen to the Berlin club scene? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know, I... I I won't say I have any expectations because I think it's not so good to have expectations when you're not very when you don't know what the future is gonna bring and uh, it's difficult to have expectations that are very likely to not be met. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I mean honestly, I'm not. I'm trying to not think so much of the future because I feel like it doesn't help in any ways to do it. Um, and I guess we'll see how it's going to work out. I mean, for sure, there's going to be a lot of clubs that are not going to open again, I guess. And I'm also like sh almost sure that definitely the scene is going to change a lot, you know, when, when everything like slowly starts getting back to normal. I, let's, I mean, normal in quotes and quote marks, mm -hmm. because, um, there's not going to be any normal after that anymore or not. It's not going to be the way we used to be. There's, it's not going to be the way we used, where we were, we were used to it before Corona. Yeah. And, um, I mean, yeah, you can, you can definitely have a lot of scenarios in your head, how it might be in the future. But I think it's, I think it's very tough to think about it. I think it's just something that we we will just see what's gonna happen, right? Like, yeah. Definitely. Do you have any any like scenarios in your head how it's gonna be? I have dark visions. Dark visions, <laughs> I okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think generally clubs don't make too much money, anyways, and I think now the musicians themselves are not so motivated or like the djs are not so motivated to do a lot of djing at their home because the club is closed so i think with this less music is being sold as well like inside of the you think so i think so for sure actually i think um there's a lot of djs and producers who are like i find this very interesting because i, I actually have been thinking about this topic a bit because um for me personally i can tell that 
I'm very unmotivated to occupy myself with electronic music. I'm barely listening to anything. I haven't I haven't bought any records in I don't know half a year or something. And yeah. um, I've barely like been digging any music, any electronic music at least. And uh, I wanted to get into producing, which I did a bit during the summer. But then because I was moving, I kind of got totally out of it again and haven't found the motivation to get back into it. Um, but I feel there's a lot of um, DJs and producers who are like kind of like kind of desperately like trying to keep it alive somehow you know and um i don't know this is like a hot take <laughs> now <laughs> but uh i think it's maybe because this has been like this num the number one i mean for me as well it's been kind of the number one thing but um there's so many other things that are interesting as well in the world right there's like so many things you can try out and uh you know like new hobbies that you can you can explore and um but i feel like there's a lot of people who are very focused on this thing because this is what they used to do this is what they used to be uh successful with and this has been this the big passion and uh, it's been alive because the building club scene has been very alive and yes. um now this is all gone and they're kind of still like clinging to it and you know, like doing like the best example is like doing this live streams from home, DJing and stuff. And uh, I find that a bit like for me personally, it's a bit strange. I mean, not strange. I can totally understand why people do it. But um, it's just for me personally, I, 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 I couldn't like it would feel so like it would miss all the base of it for me. Like everything that is my motivation of doing it is just gone. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess, yeah. How's it been for you? I mean, you've been also, but you've been also still doing, <coughs> keep, keep doing your Berlin house music. Of course. Berlin house music yeah. is always alive. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is the thing. I actually got extra motivated with Berlin house music because of, let's say, clubs being shut down and there is no DJs playing any music that people can check out. Yeah. So that means more music um, online, but also like basically supporting the artists to promote their tracks. Etc. Of course, yeah. But I, I, I haven't been buying that much music and I have like for sure haven't been buying too much vinyl. Um, I spoke to Rafael Kirsch and he has the same basically because he also connects it to the vibe of the club or you come around with your friends you listen to this record that you're probably gonna play later on tonight you know you check it out yeah and everything kind of has a purpose um but now it seems like yeah okay you can buy all the records you have but you're never gonna be able to play them exactly i mean it's it shouldn't be about playing the music in the club right but somehow it's like i don't know I mean, I still enjoy listening to music and I still, hmm, yeah, actually, I don't know what I wanted to, to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got, got a bit out of it. Um, That's all right. No, but I think, I think, yeah, the sales, I think because of the clubs closing down, the sales of music have dropped under DJs who would buy the tracks for Yes, purposes. but I think there has been more people producing, right? Don't you think? Yes, definitely. There have been more yeah. 
people producing and they have been a lot more people online and streaming basically but yes. not only streaming live stream but also like playing other people's music so yeah. the a lot of views a lot of plays let's say like the online activity in general hmm. is higher um but back to spotify thing streaming you know you don't get a lot as an artist from it no of course not for sure not um yeah, but um, I mean, when it comes to electronic music, do you listen to electronic music at home at all? I listen to electronic music at home. Okay. Because well, I listen to house music at home. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah but, but, yeah. but I'm also confronted with it a lot of the times. So what I do of also course. a lot of times is like go to the inbox and there is always fresh music and I just go through it. And like, of course, okay, for you nice, it's, nice, it's nice. a different it's a different job because you're actually putting out premieres and stuff. You're kind yeah. of obligated to listen to stuff for sure. True. For me, I, I yeah. don't think I would be listening. Um, yeah, I don't listen to a lot of music next to that. Yeah. Let's say. Okay. Then I would rather go to producing or listen to instrumental mm. 80s or 90s hip hop okay old school stuff <laughs> yeah but yeah exactly like for me it's I'm, I'm not listening like electronic music is for me pure club music unless it's like let's say ambient or you know like down tempo stuff which is house music <laughs> no but house music is definitely <laughs> also for me club music it's very dance oriented to yes. me okay um you know it's different if you have like as like as an ambient is a very good example i guess this is also a style of music that has gotten much more popular over the past year because of this being at home a lot and trying to you know somehow be mindful and like learn to be mindful also like learn to be able to endure being at home that much right so i think this kind of music can really help you to get into the right mindset um i have to say for me ambient has been amazing for like you know like doing yoga or or meditating and stuff. Um, it can really help to get into the zone, kind of. Um, but yeah, but like electronic dance music. I mean, it's called electronic dance music for a reason. It's it's it's, and it's just not the same if you listen to it at home, well, right? There, yes. But the thing is, electronic dance music got a bad reputation. Oh, I don't. I mean, I'm not. Oh, okay, I didn't mean EDM. In yeah, that but that's sense. the thing. Yeah, you know? okay, okay. So we need to be. Okay, no. Okay, sorry. So I mean, with electronic dance music, I mean <laughs> real music. <laughs> I mean, I mean club music in general. I mean, can be techno, breakbeat, whatever. Like yes. it's for me. I didn't mean EDM. Like what the the stuff you hear at I don't know Tomorrowland, mm -hmm. the stuff that David Guetta's playing. No, no, I didn't mean that way. Yeah, good that we good that we <laughs> talked it out. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about EDM. Yes. I think I will never talk about EDM. Okay. <laughs> I, have, okay. I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know a lot of people who, I mean, not a lot of people, but I know from some people that they actually listen to that kind of stuff at home. And yeah, it's just, I, I don't really understand why. I don't know, like for me, I think it's for me, it's hard to understand why you would listen to, I mean, it's the same with, I couldn't listen to like heavy metal at home all the time, right? Yeah, like it would stress me out so much after a while. Um, I mean, I can listen to like some rock music and stuff, of course, but like I have to be in the zo in the mind for it, uh, like in the mood for it. And yeah. the thing with this kind of music is, I I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to listen to that and do something else simultaneously. And I think that's the difficulty to find music that can go along as like kind of like 
background, like not to be too, um, there wouldn't be too, no, I missed the word, when it's like taking over everything. Yeah. You know, like, and that's the thing with like, let's say ambient or like, I've had this like big playlist that I made, with, like it's called Chills and it's like just, you know, chill beat music. <laughs> it can be like R&B and like things that go nicely in the background without being too, too, um, damn, what's the word? Um, too in the forefront, too present. Too present, yeah. Too, I know there is like... Yeah, there's a word, word, right? Like, uh, I don't know. That's the problem when you're not native. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So, I've been listening to a lot of... Too dominant. Dominant, yeah. That's, well, that was not what I was looking not, for. Okay. But that's, that's a good I'm, one. I'm just going to throw out words in between. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find it at some point. But yeah, I've, I've been definitely... And I think, yeah, but I think there's like a lot of people who are very like focused on electronic music also in their, in their everyday life. And that's everything they're listening to um and uh yeah this goes back again to this thing of i'm getting bored of it after a while right i couldn't i need i need changes all the time okay. um uh, the, which, which is also the reason why i'm not only listening to electronic music because i there's so much other really good music right and uh i mean there's like so much music out there and um like also a lot of different genres a lot of like weird stuff where you think like okay what the fuck is this i've never never heard anything like this before and um it's just yeah i, I want to explore these things and um i want to find like things that are new and interesting somehow and uh where you that makes you think and makes you like wonder how did this actually how did this end up where it is now you know yeah and uh, I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's the beauty of everything, probably. Like, yeah, which is probably also the reason why I've been using this like lockdown time a lot to like explore other things than music. Um, because yeah, the luxury of having a lot of time, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it has been um, an opportunity to actually do a lot of things they have never been able to do because of the lack of time um, and I think you're totally right about like more producers coming out or more people producing um, tracks generally for others it has been a lot of hard work <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. no time off yeah I wanted to ask you if there was uh, something that you like some, some new things that you've tried out over the past year but you've been working a lot so maybe well, you. working is one of the new things I've oh, tried yeah. out last year. <laughs> working for you, like, yeah, okay. Because I've, you know, finished the studies, um, but ha haven't been really, like, besides playing music, yeah. um, haven't been doing a lot of work. But now I have been. Um, it's really interesting to get a total different rhythm, too. Oh, yeah. Can I wake up every day at around 5 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Instead of coming home at 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I don't think I have tried out. I have been actually, uh, pr production-wise, I have been making less house. Oh, wow. <laughs> and a bit more breakbeat-y in a way. Okay. Um, yeah, but other than that, I don't think a lot of new things uh, going on. Yeah, I mean, but to be fair, you, you've been working a lot, so you didn't have that much time in the end. No. Right? So, yeah. But that's the thing. I I feel 
generally when I'm more busy, I'm more productive. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. But I somehow didn't... Um, the problem I have with like making music, let's say, or taking the time apart to do music is I used to always do it just on inspiration vibe that comes in. Then I drop everything else and I just get into, let's say, the making of the beat or mm -hmm. whatever the inspiration is at that time. If you don't have that luxury of having, let's say, the time to do that, then I'm not doing a lot unless mm -hmm. it's in my hours off that I can do, like work on tracks. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the wrong approach. I think that's <laughs> no wrong, right? Everyone has to find their own true, approach. <laughs> true. So for me, this doesn't really work. Yeah. I think I need to... Um, just make time for it and plan a session and when mm. if I have the inspiration that's like great if I don't that's like not too bad either yeah. but just to have the ability to and a friend advised me on this actually earlier but I am a lot of times very stubborn and I said like no I just feel like if I feel it inspiration I go straight mm. to it and no it didn't happen <laughs> yeah I mean I mean, that was one thing I really wanted to do last year was starting, like, really getting to producing because, of course, it, it just makes sense. Now the clubs are closing. This is the perfect time to really spend a lot of time on learning how to use Ableton, learning how to use all these machines that you want to use. And um, and I have to say, I mean, I've, I've, I've had quite a few sessions with friends <clears throat> where... Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, where we've been really, like, working on music very intensely and through these sessions i i learned a lot about ableton and um but then i tried to do it myself and uh it was somehow i always i never have this like i wake up and i'm like yeah i'm going to do some music today i really don't have it and um it's weird because actually i've been i've been working on one track and i almost finished it And uh, I, I really got into the flow. And then after a while, when you really like, I mean, it's a super nice feeling when you have this, what you just described, having this like flow and everything kind of comes to it naturally. It doesn't feel like work anymore. Um, but it's just very hard to get into this zone in the first place and like to s stick to it and just keep doing it. Right. And um, and I'm always wondering why it is that way that I, I don't have this like urge to create music because I think for a lot of people it is they really need this as like an outlet you know like they need this creative outlet to deal with their everyday life I don't know yeah um and somehow yeah I, I somehow don't have that so much and I'm, I've been always wondering why it is that way and um I don't know I think I just had this thought that maybe the reason behind it is that um I, I I mean, I really enjoy doing music when I do it, no question, but it's not like, as I said, it's not like I need it to, you know, be mentally stable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's like other ways for me to express myself or like I have other things that really keep me in balance, which mm -hmm. are more important to me. Like I haven't been able to like put making music into my daily routine or structure so far yet because i've i've been having so many other things that i've had to put into my routine like you know like doing sports and like <clears throat> going outside for a bit and like let's say sometimes i i, I meditate um 
and cooking and listening to podcasts and all these things that are like they're already taking up so much time of my daily like time to work on myself yeah that this music part it because i know it's going to take a, like if i want to do it it's going to take a lot of time and then a lot of it's going to be a big chunk of my day if mm -hmm. i want to do it properly and i think so far i just didn't feel like i had the right time to do it i don't know well i think that's maybe depending also how you get into the music in general so let's say some people then find the music and that's like ah they found how they can express themselves mm -hmm. but if you've already found this in different ways before that then it's music just something that you really enjoy and you love doing yeah but it's not necessarily an express and expressing channel yeah i mean you. at least not now i'm not i'm not thinking i'm not saying that i will never do it right and I mean, right now I'm very, I'm very much into learning how to play drums. <laughs> yeah. And I know also once I, I get better at this, I, it would definitely benefit my, my potential productions later. Um, so for now, I feel like I'm more focusing on this thing, right? And I focus more on other small things. So basically, it's like you have like a certain amount of things that you put together to, to your daily life basically Definitely. and um and it's like yeah it's like time management basically right and you you spend like you yeah you, you take two hours of that one hour of this and then it's like 12 hours are, are gone right and um and then of course it also depends on how much time you are willing to spend like you know like keeping your social life right like how much time do you want to spend with your friends or partner or whatever um and this creates like your whole life like your whole routine and yeah sometimes yeah i guess it's for me it's not the right time now to to uh sacrifice <laughs> <laughs> in quotes marks sacrifice um so much time into producing yeah but i will definitely get into it at some point yes i'm very sure of that <laughs> yeah i think i think generally clubs opening again would be a great motivator too to hear your actually track on a big sound system yeah but that's also the thing like uh for me it was always when i was djing um i felt like i was already spending so much time on like preparing sets digging for music that i didn't want to to take even more of my time to deal with that kind of like related things like producing okay um so i think for me it was always to keep kind of a balance right and uh i think at the moment also the thing is why i'm not producing is because i feel like this is what everyone's doing right now i mean this sounds really this <laughs> <laughs> sounds so stupid but you know what i mean like there's like so many people producing so much good music and uh, this has always been kind of a part for me to kind of stop me from it or like because i feel like fuck there's so many people doing incredible things and they have like really developed their own style and just imagine how much time and effort they've put into this until something like that came out and they've become so good at what they're doing now and um this has always been yeah kind of uh, demotivating for me because i know there's like so many people already doing it and of course there cannot be enough music in the world but um I feel like, which is, is a feeling I have uh, both with music, with films, with, every, or with books also, 
like just thinking about it that my whole life I will never be able to read all the books that I want to read for example like there's going to be so many books out there that I'm going to just missing you know like I'm going to have like big FOMO <laughs> of missing everything out you know well you could uh, listen to them and fast forward like uh, play them at a higher uh, speed you know you mean books yes no so but it's, it's not about that more no it's not about that. books than you could actually read actually i saw this ad the other day where i was like what the, what the fuck is this like there was this ad on instagram of like a girl and she was like um what did she say she was like i read seven books in one day you know and then it's like about this uh like this um app where you can just basically you get like a just a concentrated of the um of the content of the book just the main the main important points yes and i think it's really weird you know it's like this is like this whole like efficiency thing like you mean we need to be more we need to be faster better more efficient and i think that's very unhealthy <laughs> well it is a sickness for sure but i think it's also depends really on your goals where you're going sure um so if people want to have like read get the essential knowledge of the books to get into a certain field it's different than actually getting an emotional touch um, with the book and the physical book and the writer and the way of course there's for sure different reading. different approaches to reading a book and also different goals of reading a book right but um yeah i don't know like for me it's I want to I want to be able to enjoy the things I do and it's not about having I mean when I say I'm 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 I have I fear that I'm going to miss out on a lot of good good books it's not like I'm really scared about it it's more like this thought of there's like so many hidden treasures that I'm never gonna never never gonna find yeah. and it's the same with music and the same with movies you know and um I think I know this shouldn't stop me from doing music myself because that shouldn't be the goal of actually doing music the goal should be just creating something because you enjoy it and not because you want to put something out to make it successful or whatever um but still this is still a point that kind of because i i think then like i'd rather spend my time on like finding these treasures than like producing something myself you know what i mean yeah like for me this has more value in that point then but um yeah we already said why it is like that because i i don't feel like i need this output yeah 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 i think it's different kind of connections sometimes it's very nice when you have like the flow and it's going um i think i was also always interested in let's say how the program works how the machines are functioning and this kind of thing so but yeah for a lot of people but some people are like crazy with the amount of tracks they can produce but i think those people are, are like very good at capturing the moment like a moment and yeah. then making a track out of it and just finishing it up instead of yeah. really extending it and that's also definitely an art to be able to finish something yeah and uh, not be like because i i'm definitely that more the kind of person that would work on one track forever and would never find an end <laughs> Because I never feel like, uh, like I always would find probably something there which I feel like I could do better. Um, and I had this like this flat method I talked about, the flat method that brought me the turntables. Yes. He used to uh, he he produced um, drum bass music, and on a uh, dubstep was it dubstep, and he showed me a couple of tracks and 
they were really good and he never finished anything like every week basically would come over and be like hey check this out i made a new track but he never finished any of it and i that oh, that was so like it's so frustrating because i saw so much potential in in his music but if you never finish anything it's just it's not i mean that was like the total opposite for him like he was the more extreme version of like just doing stuff for the for the sake of creating yeah and not even having the urge of putting anything out right yeah so that's like even the opposite but um yeah um i actually i i saw in um i saw an interview uh, with a with a writer and she talked about creativity and how like this whole process works and that was super interesting to hear because what she said was um you have to learn that in the beginning when you start doing something let's say now if you say it's producing music uh, when you start producing music you have to you have to take in account that of course your skills are not as good in the beginning you have to learn these things in a long it's going to take a while till you will do anything good right that's also super frustrating <laughs> to know like okay i'm going to start doing music and the first two years everything i'm going to do is going to be total shit yes. and i will never have the feeling that um it's going to be good because when you once you start producing you already have like several years of knowledge of how music sounds to you right i already have an idea of what i what i want to have in a track that's good to me like what are the elements that i need like how does it how does the track get interesting to me so i know all these things from like listening to music over years and years so i have this idea in my head how it should be and then not being able to do anything n nearly as good as that because i just lack the skills yeah and that's exactly what she said that's something that you just have to take um you just have to like live with that basically and you have to make peace with that um to know and she also said like she was writing a book and then there was this Unfortunately, I don't remember uh, the name of the writer anymore, but uh, she said, like, she, write, she wrote this book and there was this one character that was very weak, and somehow she, she just couldn't get this character right. Like, everything else was fine and this book was, was uh, very successful, but the critique was always that uh, on this one character that she couldn't get right. And, and it was funny because she said then, like, yeah, she totally knew this, and it was, she found it funny that people actually pointed this out because... It felt like they didn't think that she was aware of that at all. Mm. And she was like, no, but I, I'm totally aware of this. I just wasn't able to do it any better. You know, like this is this is all I could do now. Yeah. And I just had to make peace of that and just put it out because otherwise I would never finish it. Yes. And I found that, yeah, I just found that very wise uh, wise to, to say it uh, to this kind of approach to it and knowing this. But yeah, this is, I guess, also what's stopping me kind of. At the moment. <laughs> well, I think generally starting point, it's funny because I, I talked to with, uh, about this with, uh, like in the last episode, Raphael. Mm. And, <clears throat> but it is about setting the starting points and then you can measure from there how, what the improvements you're doing. Um, but I think for me personally, it was, I started uh, producing, let's say one genre and then I went basically through all the genres because I thought it was very interesting to make different rhythms. Yeah, definitely. So then you're making shitty beats in different genres, but you don't care about it because that's not, not your goal, actually. Mm -hmm. But you're still gaining the skills and the software. Yeah, definitely. 
and that was kind of like interesting for me yeah that's definitely interesting i mean i actually i ordered a book um because i i, I love like going the analog way and learning things through books yes <laughs> so i ordered this book uh, it should arrive some in the next week it's called i think we talked about this book once already it's called what's well, called again the secret the secrets of dance music production i think okay haven't we talked about this i don't know okay i, I don't know um, to be honest And it's a book, it shows like different, um, basically how different dance music genres are built up in Ableton in production, you know, like the different kind of rhythms you have and patterns and let's say... Was it Attack Magazine? Yes, exactly. Ah, okay, one. we definitely talked about yeah, this. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shout out to Attack Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually excited to be like, you know, just like treating it as if you're doing like a course, right? And just building these things yourself on Ableton through like just basically just copying what they have in the book just to understand how these rhythms work and how they work together. I think that's uh, super interesting and like, yeah, it will definitely help you later a lot, you know. Um, yeah, I think there's very different approaches. Like some people just, they just download Ableton, they just start producing stuff and just the way they feel it. And um I feel like I'm I'm basically like um, preparing myself to serious production later, yeah. <laughs> like through like you know learning to play drums to get a better understanding of rhythms of percussion, and then like you know like trying to learn these different things so I have a good base on on what I can build my things then because I think I'm by what I'm trying is I think I'm trying to skip this two years of producing shitty stuff because I don't want to produce shit stuff. <laughs> I think that's basically, I don't know, it's just wild theories now, but yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing. No, but I like the way you approach music generally with producing, like the equipment you bought. Um, it's very analog, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, but it's. It, I think it's very nice because it has a very different flow than just sitting behind the computer. Yeah. And clicking to make some beats. Yeah, actually, I really, I really admire people who can do that like this, you know, like, and I see people, I don't know, working on their laptops on Ableton. It's like, how can they do this? Like, on a tiny screen like this, you can barely see half of the stuff that you're doing. Wow, I really, like, this is what I really admire when people have this, like, nerdy gene, which I totally don't have. <laughs> and I'm really jealous people have it because... I want to be nerdy, you know, and I'm trying to be nerdy so hard, but it's very <laughs> tough for me to be nerdy. I don't know. Um, and yeah, and I really admire people who, who just manage to like just stick to this one thing and, and just do it, you know, Yeah. and not feel like hmm, maybe this could be somehow, you know, the whole surrounding of it could somehow be, um, be uh, like better, you know, I can maybe uh, improve these things before I actually start doing this, which is definitely my approach way more yeah um but yeah this this ends up like into me never doing anything really because i always i always uh, try to improve everything instead of just you know just going for it yeah but on the other hand you also picked um like dj you know and you stayed at it for so long and you improved at it too yeah so yeah sure but djing is i mean djing is i mean it's technical to a certain level but it also of course depends what kind of dj you are you know if you're like just playing tools and playing like four decks at the same time like ben sims or whatever that's a very very technical way of djing and uh, you have to have a lot of skills to do this um but 
you know, the way I do it and the way I know a lot of people do it is not so super technical. You know, I, of course, I know how to, I know a couple of tricks of how to make a nice transition. Yes, you do for sure. <laughs> But I don't feel like it's super technical, you know, like it's very, in the end, I rely very much on my tracks and not on my skills so much. Um, to be honest, like all the sets I've heard from you were always like very, very, very on point. And I was always impressed. It's like, you know, on the mixing skills, but like one of the tricks that you use, I think it's with the high pass or the low pass filter, high pass filter, no low pass filter. <laughs> um, but I think it might be good to take a little, a little break. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I feel my brain is a bit fried already. Cool. Uh, we'll be back in a second. See you. See you. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. We're back here with you. In the studio. In the studio. <laughs> AKA my house. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good home studio. Thanks. I like the lighting. <laughs> yeah, it is actually really interesting. I just figured this out like two days ago. Please don't judge. Um, But basically, if you have like a lamp that you can change the direction of it and you just um, like point it to the wall, it will give like a different kind of lighting. In a nutshell, room. Yusuf discovered indirect lighting. Whoop, whoop. Is that called indirect yes. light? Yes. <laughs> well, you learn something new every day. Yeah, I think it's good. If you better, you keep learning and learning things late than never learning or being too stubborn to admit that you like, The way you did before was not as good as it's now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always keen on learning new things. But I am still stubborn in doing my own thing and figuring out on my own way, like the mistakes. Yeah, but I mean, there's different ways of learning. And uh, it's a process to learn, <laughs> to let go also to of your stubbornness. Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've learned this the hard way, but generally that's the, the way I want it to be because of my stubbornness. Um, I still am very stubborn. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But then for you, it's also okay because, because you don't know how it could be better, right? For you, it's in that way, it's, it's perfect the way it is, I hope. Yeah, And of course. Okay. I, th I think looking back, there is a lot I would have done different. Knowing the circumstances now, um, or just generally, like yeah, but that's normal. I mean, that's how you develop and how you evolve. You learn from your past mistakes. Yeah. In the in the best scenario. Yes. I think yeah, I think learning is a very important thing. To be able to also to be able to admit mistakes is very important, and that's something that a lot of people are not able to do, and. Uh, That stops people from like, you know, like finding their full potential <laughs> and um, and becoming uh, like a better person or whatever, right? <laughs> Definitely. Or like, yeah. No, but I think that is true. You can be stuck in a cycle, um, basically, of not... Very much, very much. And it's very, very dangerous. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a topic actually I was thinking about a lot because I had... I had an experience with a person um, who I felt was very stuck in in their way of doing things and not realizing how unhappy they are. I mean, no, they knew how unhappy they were, 
but um, still they couldn't see that, you know, all they do is just like um, contributing to this feeling bad and not being able to get out of it. And then it's like a vicious circle and it keeps going and going. And, you know, like, it's what you say, like negative things, they they draw negative things and yeah. positive things draw positive things. So the circle can also become like a good circle and you can like, like develop more positive things and it's like going on in a positive circle where you feel like you're, you're yeah, growing and you're like staying in that positive <laughs> circle somehow. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people, um, if they're in the negative uh, cycle, let's say, or circle, um, they, I don't think they, then they don't blame themselves for certain things. They would put a lot of stuff on circumstances or things yes. that are outside of their power. It's like everybody else's fault. Or yes, like because definitely. of something happened in the past, like a trauma thing. Definitely, they're never able to reflect on, like their own behavior, and uh, I mean that's a mental state that you have. Like you can be like, you know, like you can be like, oh, Corona is so shit. Why does this happen to me? And you don't see actually this is happening to everyone, but it's the way you deal with these things and the way you try to see. So for me, it's like trying to see a positive thing in the negative thing, right? Even if it's a shit situation, you try to make the best out of it. And like you have the circumstance and you cannot change it anyways, right? Like you will not be the person who is going to invent the vaccine and then save the world, right? So True. you just need to find a way to deal with it, I guess. And that's the thing that many, many people fail at doing. Um, they're just, yeah, just getting totally stuck in this, what they find misery. And uh, just be like, oh, this situation is so shit, I can't change it. I'm so miserable. And they're just, I don't know, giving up somehow. Um, yeah, I think that's dangerous. Definitely. Very dangerous. I mean, there were so many news about, you know, people from from the club scene and stuff during Corona, uh, during this time, during this whole past uh, year. Um, there's a lot of, like, news about people who... Um, who died by suicide and stuff, right? And um, and it's yeah, it's crazy how how much like this. I don't know like um, how like people really build on this one, like all their life revolves around nightlife, right? So they work in clubs. All their friends is in that circle, basically. Yeah. And or maybe maybe it's people who don't have that many friends and they get the social contacts through being at the club and talking to strangers or like, you know, you maybe know the, the bartender and because you're regular. So you have like these nice chit chats and stuff. Yeah, it's not it's not a real friendship in that sense, but it's like a social contact that you have and that prevents you from feeling lonely, I guess. And uh, having that like taken away from you and like. Also, maybe spending all your free time in clubs and stuff, you don't know how to occupy yourself when you're alone at home because when you're alone at home, you would go to the club in a normal situation. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's crazy how, how what, what, what a big impact it had actually on a lot of people. I mean, of course, it had a big impact on everyone, no yeah. question, but for some people, it was more extreme in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think generally 
um, for me also, I would meet a lot of people in the clubs and it's always super nice to hang out yeah. and talk about like everything and do stuff together. But it's always around like nightlife um, and some of the people, it's just very nice to spend time with them at the dance floor. Yeah. And you don't really chill outside of the dance floor. <laughs> you would probably not even have something to talk when you meet outside, right? There's like, I think a lot of people have these kind of like contacts, which are like, basically every time you meet, you are drunk or high, you know? And so everything that you say is, is like, yeah, is like related to the area, like this nightlife. Yeah. Uh, a scene um, and I think that that's exactly why so many people really had very like why it was so fucking hard for so many people to to deal with this like suddenly staying at home and having to find something to do that is not clubbing and that's not related to meeting anyone and um, and yeah I think it's I mean I think it's just generally kind of dangerous to put all your let's say eggs in one basket <laughs> as in like just having your your whole um, hobbies and everything just revolving around this one thing uh, and not only hobby hobbies social contacts everything and this is really where, where it shows like this pandemic is where it shows that this is really really dangerous for your health and it's not stable because if this one thing breaks down your whole life breaks down basically because this is your whole life and uh, yeah yeah <clears throat> i think a lot of people feel like that you know yeah their whole life just kind of gone but it's funny i today i was walking back from the train station and i saw the like the bouncer of berkheim just walking around <laughs> actually my <laughs> i have a funny story to this because my friend he was actually in the tram uh, the other day and he wrote me a message and was like I'm sitting back to back with uh, Marquard right now. <laughs> and then we came up. It would have been so funny if um, <laughs> if he would have like, you know, it would be so funny when if he would like stand in the door yeah. when he tries to get out <laughs> and he would be like, not today. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so fun. I, I tried to get him to do it, but yeah, he didn't. <laughs> but yeah, he lives around here because ah, okay. um, like uh, another friend of mine who also lives in the area, she sees him like more often yeah and how does he but i think he's fine no like he has this like all this art yeah. stuff yeah but i don't know the thing is he was walking basically and he had his sunglasses on and there was no sunshine oh it's okay winter and it's rainy and oh he's okay just... <laughs> i think that's always a bit awkward when people wear sun they, to I be think... honest it was not awkward on him at all <laughs> he just like rocked the look let's say okay it's his vibe you know maybe that's it's it. just yeah maybe it's just the style yeah. Oh, I think we can agree on that generally when people wear sunglasses when it's not bright. It's kind of weird, no? Yes. Like you always think like what are they hiding? Yes, well, a lot of people wear it because they're, you know, high. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you can see it in their face, but um sometimes it's just a look. Sure, but I think it's very kind of paradox because they probably wear them to to shield themselves from the outside world, you know, or to like make themselves more like hidden from it. But because they're wearing these sunglasses, they they get I like at least for me, I would be even more attentive of this person. 
Yeah. Because I would be curious and be like, why is he wearing the sunglasses right now? I would I would start thinking about it. Definitely. And yeah. start like, you know, making up some like theories in my head why this person's wearing sunglasses right now. True. <laughs> and uh yeah, that's kind of paradox, it's funny. That is mm. yeah. But I think it also comes down to which extent the darkness of the sunglasses are. <laughs> sure, if or you wear is... like see-through pink sunglasses, it's okay. No, but that's that's a look <laughs> then, you know, you're just, you're not really hiding because you can see No, then them. it's just style. Yeah. It's just... Well, so he had kind of those where they go from the dark, like on the top, but ah. they go to less dark, yeah. like down. I'm sure those have a name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, could you see his eyes? You could see his eyes, but not very clearly. Ooh, because mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> but he has like the tattoos all over the face and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh... Yeah, he's for sure not wearing the glasses to hide who he is. No. Then he would have to wear like a, I don't know, like a full head mask. True. Or like a plastic bag on the head. <laughs> plastic bag on the head. <laughs> yeah, but if you wear like a mask and a like a beanie, you know. Yeah. You can actually almost and then like the sunglasses. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> actually, in summer I had this like a couple of times. I was feeling so funny because I try to like not wear a, a cap plus sunglasses because I feel like then I'm too hidden. You know, it's too much. Like I wear, I would wear either a cap or sunglasses, but not both at the same time. Yeah, because otherwise you're just like a puppet thing with, with the mask on. It's yeah, like and then the mask on top of it, you're, yes. not, you're not showing. Any, and then maybe even also headphones, <laughs> because then you complete, you, you hide everything of your face. That Damn. is interesting. But it is, it is the situation and it is possible. It's not weird anymore to do this. Yeah, but I, I'm just trying to remember if I have ever seen a person this summer wearing all three things plus a mask. I think that would look really weird. I'm trying to imagine you because True. you're wearing headphones right now and a, and a cap. Yeah. So I'm trying to imagine you wearing also a mask and sunglasses. And I think it would look very weird. Well, I can put it on. <laughs> Don't do it. I think it would make me laugh. <laughs> and as I think it's when you talk to someone, it's, um, it's kind of awkward to have someone talking with you when they wear sunglasses where you can't see their eyes. True. Wait, I need to put the headphones a <laughs> Oh. I mean, you already look like even without sunglasses, you look already pretty. You look like you would go to to a radical left demo. <laughs> you know, throw some stones. That's how you look right now to me. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, and on top of the of the cap, you can also put a hoodie. You know. Yeah. Okay, but the hoodie is then too obvious because yeah, if true. you do the sunglasses and the cap, then you're still summer. It's, it's true, actually, yeah, it's true. You wouldn't wear a hoodie. And, uh... <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, this creeps me out already. What the f- <laughs> No! <laughs> oh, don't do it, please. I think I cannot talk to you normally anymore now. <clears throat> but do you... Uh, this is funny. It's like I'm trying to look at my phone, but it, it has, like, face ID. But because of all the stuff <laughs> on my face, of course, it doesn't recognize. You can't unlock your, unlock your phone anymore? Uh, nope. Well, that was a fail then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. Okay, yeah, this is definitely too much. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I'm going to take this off. Yeah, please. <laughs> 
I think it's uh, I think it's funny. Like you, you see these people around wearing headphones, sunglasses, and a cap, and yeah. it's like, how much like how much shield do you need from the outside world, right? I don't know. Well, to be honest, I the thing is, sunglasses is for summer generally just. Well, for you it is. Yes, but yeah. And if it's like very hot and you, you know, just need a hat, then you put a hat on. So it's pretty common that I wear both. Okay. But I mean, the, the cap already protects your eyes from the sun, no? Yes, but not. So the hat is then more of head protection rather than mm. eyes protection. I see. But then. But I would not wear a mask and sunglasses because they sit kind of on top of each other, you know? Yeah, it's true. So that's a bit uncomfortable. That's also, also I, why I actually don't wear headphones with sunglasses. Yeah, me neither. That's very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, I'm barely... I used to always listen to music when I go out, you know, when I go to supermarket or whatever. And I haven't really done that in the past years. I used to even ride my bike with headphones on, which is super dangerous. And I wouldn't do it anymore. Um, because I actually, also, I rely very much on my hearing when I when I ride the bike, I realized. Um and just not having this like just having my hearing blocked basically from the traffic outside would scare me now like but it's interesting the older you get the more careful you get about these things yeah um <clears throat> and uh, i realized yeah the other day um what, like on on new year's eve um so because i'm so scared of loud sounds and stuff um i'm terrified of fireworks and i had to go and buy some groceries so I, I put on my headphones and put on music and went outside. <laughs> and I hadn't really, I hadn't done that in like years, I think. <laughs> and it's like, it's so funny because it gives your whole world a complete new soundtrack. And it's kind of, uh, it was like, I know for other people it's so normal to do this. <laughs> but for me, it was like such a funny kind of new experience because uh, I haven't done it in so long. And um, I was thinking maybe I should do it more often now again. <laughs> I kind of totally forgot about it because I have this like I want to I want to feel my surrounding when I'm outside and um, if I wear headphones I totally like impact that somehow but yeah I guess it's different do you wear do you do you listen to music when you're outside um no no so I used to well depends um so the thing is with like the new bike that I got when I go cycling I'm just more into biking and I don't want to have too much stuff so I can just be flexible. Yeah. So I don't want to have like the headphones on my head and yeah. there's like a cable connecting it True. to my phone. Um, well, there's Bluetooth speakers now. Yes, and I'm about to go on to that <laughs> oh, topic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, it's very nice indeed when you're cycling to have the surrounding sound so you can hear from which way the car is coming. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I do put like earplugs in or like the small headphones that go, but uh -huh. not all the way plugged in, you know, like the old school ones Okay. that you don't have to push into your ear, just hang in your ear. That's oh, okay. I have, I don't use in-ear headphones at all, so I have no idea what, what exists on the market. <laughs> no, but what I mean, th those are like the old school mm -hmm. things that came with the iPhone basically, you know. Ah, okay. Um, that's just lay in the ear case yeah basically. are they don't you put them in a bit i mean how how do they hold them like because you have like this thing <laughs> on your ear <laughs> okay when you put it in you know no <laughs> I don't 
doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit hard to explain. <laughs> but there is like a... You can put the thing in and the shape of the the thing basically makes it possible to put it in. This is basic stuff. This is like one of the first things that came out like with the, you know. Yeah. I think this is where you sh I can show how, how, how like you can see how like non-technical I am. I have no <laughs> idea about these things. Okay. So basically um, they're the ones that people can also hear from a distance when you put on. I had this once in, I was in the bus going to university like back when I was like younger younger <laughs> what's younger younger <laughs> I think like maybe 10 years ago okay basically so like 20 around 20 sorry now I, uh, is that a, is that a mystery your age and now I revealed your age I'm sorry that's fine <laughs> <laughs> is really so that old. was around 19 <laughs> I think maybe yeah yeah it was 19 or 20 years yeah and I was in the back of the bus listening to house music but <laughs> i was course. really pumping it hard you know <laughs> like the maximum my mp3 could go you know, and then the on these shitty player. headphones as well yeah nice. it wasn't like headphones you know, uh, earplugs i mean yes, yeah yes, yes. like a uh, massive sound amazing and the bus driver stopped mm -hmm. and shouted at me if i could lower the music really and you were sitting in the back of the bus i was sitting in the back of the bus Whoa. it was a very quiet ride nobody was speaking or anything so it was wow. but they are so because your ear shell basically reflects it to the outside as well yes. so you hear it loudly but other people can hear it also yeah loud. but you I mean the bus also makes a sound when it drives right yes it must have been really loud well it was they don't <laughs> go that loud but you know it's but, just okay but yeah i'm just trying to imagine it's been really loud yeah <laughs> was it hurting your ears um well i was really into it at that time yeah it's like the maximum you could go i think now generally like iphones and stuff you can only go a certain like level but i think it's still very loud is, like when you're on the you max it's way too loud like for me at least yeah mm. yeah but you know but yeah it's it's interesting because i used to be less sensitive to this as well yeah. and i can tell like the older i get the more sensitive my ears get actually become actually and i mean i used to go to clubs without hearing protection completely and like Let's say even let's say in Berghain on the Berghain floor, it was still very loud, but I could bear it also without hearing protection. And now if I use the hearing, even if I use the hearing protection, it's almost too loud sometimes. It depends very much where you are. But like yeah, now I I think it's like where you, you can tell that you're getting old, and a bit <laughs> and a bit posh. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to go to the club without hearing protection anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's like I cannot enjoy it even anymore. When I have the feeling it's hurting my ears, I cannot enjoy the club. So I really need this. Yeah, I understand. But I think for us being in the club environment and being a lot for you even more because you're working also there. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of exposure to high volume of sound for yeah, a long for sure. time. For sure. Um, so I think then your ear generally becomes also more like sensitive in a way that becomes more sophisticated to the sounds because you're maybe, also yeah. more aware, more maybe. Of, huh? yeah. yeah, true. Um, I'm not sure when, of course, maybe age plays a role, but we're pretty young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for us, we are, I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm old, but like, you know, now when you see, I mean, I started going to clubs when I was like 20, 
one, twenty-two, and I felt super grown up, of course, because I was going to the club. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, then you see these nowadays. You, I mean, let's say a year ago, you go to a club and you see these kiddos who are like beginning of twenty, and you think, wow, they're so young. Yeah. And like everyone is so young. Oh my God, I'm so old. <laughs> yeah. No, you never felt that way. Uh, at certain parties, for sure. Yeah, of course, it depends where you go, of course. But even sometimes, especially when you go into a club where that has maybe a bit more like old, an older crowd, and I don't mean old, but I mean like older as in like N20, you know, like, and not like beginning of 20. And then when you see in those clubs, see people who are very young. Yes. Then it's like, oh my God, they're so young. Yes. <laughs> What are these kids doing here? <laughs> They should go home and like, you know, grow be, up first. Yeah, exactly, be a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you're thinking like, wait, but I did the same when I was younger. And uh, I don't know, age, man. It's a very interesting thing to yeah. think about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just time passing by. Mm. But this is the thing. When you talk about the new kids, you know, yeah, that you have crossed, you know, <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> Because, you know, I also talk like sometimes about the new generation and this kind of thing mm. and it's um if you're talking about the new generation yeah. you're not the new generation anymore no definitely not and it's so interesting the other day i was uh, riding a public transport and uh <clears throat> was espan i think and there were these two kids i think they were like maybe like 15 16 and they were so stylish they looked like it's crazy it's like they were like dressed like out of like some cool hip instagram account thing right like the like there was this one girl and she was like wearing these like pants with like uh how do you say with a wide end yes <laughs> i don't know how do you call these in english in german schlaghose okay um and like she was wearing like this crop top and this really cool jacket and, was, and it looked so the thing is like there's difference between people who wear these and it looks kind of like they just put this on but it's not them mm-hmm And it looked completely authentic on this on this girl. Like it looked like she really owned the style, you know. Yeah. And I was so shocked because when I was 15, 16, I had zero style. Like I didn't even have like I didn't even have like a feeling for it, you know, like an aesthetic kind of um, aesthetic awareness of it for it. And uh, this is something that like developed like maybe when I was. 18, 19, like I start like developing more of a like a taste, <laughs> you know, or like even thinking like having like feeling for aesthetics and stuff. Yeah. And when I was that young, I didn't bother about these things so much at all. And um, I think this is something that you can really see in the younger people. They kind of, and this is something like a topic I've I've listened. I think I read an article about something. I don't know, but like this topic that's been on my mind a bit. Um, how like <clears throat> social media for example like for especially instagram and being having this like having smartphones as at, at a young age already how that uh really really influences uh your way of like thinking and your way of growing up and influences the topics that concern you basically and um yeah like this is a topic i've been like looking into like you know how social media is um so basically how how addictive social media is and how what it makes what it does to the younger generation because they grow up in this world where everything is so perfect and so like uh 
they always see examples of, you know, like really cool people on Instagram, you know, posting cool pictures, doing cool poses, you know, and uh, how this influences your whole, it takes up so much space in your head that you should probably use for more important things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes. Well, this is, um, I think this is only something that could be found out because the new generation is basically going to do different things, but they also view things differently. I think, um, of course, like addictive behavior and it, like an um, illusional uh, view of reality is not good. Yeah. Like in general. But also like <clears throat> it really makes people um, say exactly. So there was this thing about like how loneliness is connected with social media. And that was super interesting because so they made this um, they made this uh, experiment with uh, teenagers. They had like a peer group of I think they were like 16 or something, the pupils who went to high school. Mm -hmm. And they had two groups of uh, I think it was like 10 or 15 pupils. So like 30 people in total. And half of them would um, uh, would be taken away their smartphone for two weeks, and the other half would keep their smartphones. And then they were, then they were me measuring after this time um, how people f if how lonely people felt. Okay. And it was interesting to see because um, so basically social media gives you this feeling of being like connected with everyone, so it gives you this illusion of not being lonely. But actually, the people, uh, the, the 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 teenagers who didn't have their smartphones for two weeks, after these two weeks, they said they felt less lonely than they did before, and the reason for that is because because they didn't have this uh, option of like creating this illusion of um, of having people around themselves through social media. They had to actually, you know, catch up with friends. They had to meet actually meet their friends to in order to get this like social social um, part in their life. Yeah. And that's super, I think that's super interesting. And then this is the thing, like this influences teenagers or like people growing up in this like generation of having smartphones and stuff. Um, that's a completely different generation and they, ha they have to deal with so many other things than we, for example, had to when we were younger. Because I don't know, I don't know at what age you, ha you had a smartphone for the first time. Um, hmm. First smartphone, let me think. Like roughly, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really thinking. The yeah. thing is, it's like when I when I came to the Netherlands, um, it was around 15. Mm -hmm. I think that was then smartphones weren't a thing. No. Yeah. But then, um, yeah, I got one basically when the smartphones came out, kind of the okay. European market. So you were one of the very like. From the beginning on, you were on it. <laughs> well, from the beginning on, on it, but I was like older than, I don't know, I think 17, yeah. 18. Still, yeah, still quite young though. But um, like when I was younger, let's say from like till 15 years, there was not really much internet at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and we had like computer at home, but it was not connected to any internet, so you could still play some games but that's yeah. it <laughs> but you would actually you know you would actually call your friends and be like hey let's meet right yes and there's like there is a study about this also that people in who are now at this age at like 16 18 and stuff they are meeting friends much less than it used to be um 
basically like a regular hangout would be more like writing or like sending voice messages or I don't know TikTok videos or whatever there is you know there's a lot of things that create this social like online social experience basically um and just imagine like I, I'm trying to imagine how this to like grow up you know you see kids they're like in primary school and they already have a smartphone and how this influences you like because you're so you're so um exposed to like influences from outside from all over the world and this is something that we never had yes. and this really changes people i mean there's definitely um there's studies about this also that society gets more and more lonely yeah. and then they're like oh why is that and of course it's because of the smartphones it's because of social media it's because of the internet and how this is like really dangerous um dangerous on the mental health especially um and i mean you can see that in some countries where it gets super extreme let's say japan is a very good example where people get incredibly lonely and there's like they even have a word for people who stay at home the whole time like there's like a lot of people who still live at their parents at the age of like let's say 30 35 or whatever and they never leave their their, their room even and they have a name for it i think it's called hikimori if i remember right like i was very interested in this topic because uh yeah. i'm half japanese so and i think uh this is very like this is a very very like a lot of people say like oh i love japan you know i love the culture but it's this is not a great culture like the whole society there is if I, if I say it a bit vulgar, it's super fucked up. Okay. Um, and you can see how extreme it gets in other countries, right? We, I mean, in Germany, we're not at this point yet, but we can see we can see the direction it's going in these very developed countries like Japan, how extreme it can get. You know, they have like there's like actually the the uh, the how's it de demography like the the, the country like the people gets like older and older. Like there's barely any kids anymore. Yeah. And they're basically like dying out, like this, this is a culture that's dying out because they got to this point where they're so lonely that they don't meet people anymore. And they, I mean, it has, yeah, it's very, it's very scary, scary. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think this is, this is something actually important because it is kind of a, a system designed to make you spend more time like on it the platforms yeah. um, and there is no um, let's say real uh, warning signs like hey we also need to let you know that this might have side effects or negative consequences yeah. for this 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 yeah it's all just positivities likes hearts yeah um, and I think yeah it is for sure a real problem because I think the digital world and the new generation's mind is bigger than the real world. As in, it's more of their reality than the actual real life outside. Yeah, definitely. Which is, um, yeah. It's a bubble, basically. It creates like a whole world that is not real. Um, and it's all based on, yeah, on as you said, like on likes, on you know, having getting comments and not creating content also to get these likes, you know, and it's like this, the system that, that works with, um, what's the word now, you know, when you, uh, damn, I missed the word, that would be a good word now. <laughs> um, it's a system based on um, positive triggers, like 
like to get like you know like um, dopamine and like happiness yeah uh, hormones happiness mm -hmm. hormones like dopamine and stuff yes and they, it works with these likes like you get a like oh you get a you get a little shooter of like dopamine and be mm -hmm. like oh nice you know someone likes what I'm doing and then you're trying like to figure out what 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 you can do to create more likes and stuff and that leads people to like doing these things that are not themselves anymore and yeah. they're just trying to be someone they're not just to get these likes and stuff and that's so fucking dangerous they're actually basically feeding into the algorithm exactly and yeah. it's not so it's not human anymore so the amount of likes you get is not actually an actual human reaction it's more the algorithm kind of making it you know mm, yeah but <clears throat> it's still real people liking right true true yeah. but if the virtual world let's say or instagram is a representation of the real world yeah then it would be chaos you know <laughs> yeah of course um but yeah but i think what the new generation does have the internet generation is that they know that the world is bigger than their own town and that there are different let's say regions and countries who speak different languages yeah for sure and so they can have a bit more of perspective on like it's the same thing just different country mm -hmm. but i mean it depends <clears throat> a bit because if you're let's say on instagram you're just following things that relate to you and you're just following let's say your friends and i don't know some sites that show you cool stuff that you like um you you're basically creating your own world right and you just I mean, I don't get shown on Instagram. I only get shown the stuff that interests me, basically. Even the ads are something that somehow relates to me. Like I have to say, like these like personalized ads on yeah. Instagram, they're pretty fucking good. <laughs> like it's scary, but like I catch myself very often to like see an ad and be like, oh, this is actually a nice thing. Yeah, you know, and it makes me like want to look at it. I mean, not I'm not. Luckily, I'm, I'm like strong enough to like impulsively buy shit that I don't need. <laughs> but I can totally see when people do it and they get. And that's what I mean, like you create this bubble. So, I mean, of course, it can be it's also a positive thing to be able to get the information of what's going on in the world if you want to. Yeah. But it's not like you're exposed to it. I would say this is a, a choice that you have to that you have and you can benefit from if you want to. But you can also, on the other hand, you can just as well create your own little bubble and stay in this. And filter out things that you don't want to see. True. It's really selective targeting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm personally... Yeah. Do you want to say something? <laughs> no, I'm good. <coughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for me personally, I think, yeah, like this has been a topic I've been mm. really like looking into, like social media and stuff. Also, I've been very much retracting myself from social media. I realized, um, because I used to use Facebook a lot, of course, for like, you know, promoting gigs, like, attending to events and stuff and like um, post stuff that relates to my DJ life. But ever since uh, Corona, I, I, I basically stopped using Facebook completely. Um, and also, yeah, there were like something, you know, I used to check my Facebook every day and now it's like sometimes every third, every, every second, every third day I, I look at, into it. Yeah. But also not that much because yeah, Facebook is anyways. Facebook is dying. <laughs> well, but I think this is the thing. So the ads that you saw on your Instagram feed were Facebook ads. So they're going into that market. 
Yeah, yeah because I'm probably also using Instagram more now than I, I use Facebook for sure. Yeah. But I also have to say I, I, I just prefer Instagram much more over Facebook because I have the feeling because, you know, I was also doing these. Um, I was also doing the Facebook page for Craig Belmar. Yeah. And so I had to do posts and stuff. And it's interesting because we have like, I don't know, like around, I think, 16K followers, mm -hmm. uh, like likes on Facebook. And if I would make a post, you can see how many people you actually reach. And it was like maybe 500 maximum, right? Which is nothing if you think of how many people actually like your page. Yeah. Um, while on Instagram, I can see that you reach way more people, right? You put up a story and you can see how many people actually watch it. Yeah. And it's always around one one quarter of my followers or even more who actually watch it. And that's, that's a lot if you think about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because the all the younger generation, they, they don't use Facebook at all anymore. Like it's for them, Facebook is something like really out of date and old school. And they're all like on Instagram and TikTok and what's this other um, Snapchat. <laughs> Well, but I think Snapchat, I, I haven't heard anything. It's true. Does it still exist? I haven't heard of it a long it, time either. Probably, but uh, yeah. Hmm. But it was, very, it was very popular for a while, right? Definitely. Interesting, yeah. too. You even would get these, like, you know, like these screenshots from Snapchat and stuff as memes and stuff, right? Yes. And this, uh, well, this I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. Hmm. What happened to Snapchat? That would be interesting to find out. <laughs> um, but... Um, I lost my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I can just say that, like, it's been very nice to not use a social media that much, I have to say. And uh, I find it sometimes scary because when you, for example, if you do a story and there's some people who always see your stories, always. And I'm just wondering how much time they actually spend on Instagram, like looking through stories and and, um, and posts and stuff. And there used to be this times where I would scroll through Instagram until you, you reach this point where it says you've seen all the posts from the last few <laughs> days, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this, what, this used to happen to me a lot. I mean, also in the beginning, of course, I didn't follow that many accounts and stuff, so it wouldn't be that many that many things, uh, that many posts I would see. Yes. And now it would be much more, but it's been a, like, I think all during Corona, I never, I never meant to get to this point where I would have seen all the posts from the last three days. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think generally consuming social media is, you know. Yeah. You can maybe do it as entertainment, you know to look at interesting stuff but it needs to be limited maybe watch like a movie stuff is better you know <laughs> sure i mean there's also different ways of consuming it, it depends on if you're actually um contributing to it like if you're liking so there was also in this in the study that i read about social media oh, that there was maybe a different study i read a lot of studies about social media and experiments and like things they did yeah and there was also one they said um when you passively consume uh, social media, as in you're just looking through posts, but you never like anything, you never comment, you never post anything yourself, then this will make you unhappier. While when you actually contribute to social media and use it in a positive thing, like you you put out the, your, you do a post and you put out your opinion or you, you write a comment, you like things, when you actively engage in social media, then this can actually benefit to your happiness. 
Yes. And I actually also read that article, and this is a really interesting one. Yeah. But, and this is the thing, now we're talking about it, how you can actually improve, and this is the weird (laughs) (laughs) kind of trick to it, because then they say, it's like, okay, hey, you know what? Use it actively. But that only benefits the platform, like two, you know? Yeah, I think it's, (laughs) I think in the end, it's about finding a healthy balance definitely like a life a life social media balance basically yeah um i'm not saying that social media is all bad i'm just saying that it has it has a lot of potential to very negatively affect you and your mental health if you're not careful like with any addiction right it's super like social media is highly it's super addictive um and um it's just basically just realizing, like being aware of like the addictiveness of it. And when you realize, okay, this is becoming too much. Like I'm, let's say I'm spending like two, two hours a day on Instagram. This, that, that you couldn't maybe consider this is maybe too much. I don't know. Just go out and have a life, man. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've been very, I've been very, very, very um, critical about social media because yeah. Also, I know, you know, like a lot of people say, yeah, but as a DJ, you really have to use social media a lot. And that's true to a part, for sure. You have to be kind of present there. Yeah. Like, unless you're like something, someone super famous and you already like kind of made it in a time before social media actually became a thing. That's a different story. But um, Well, I don't have like a DJ Instagram. Yeah, but like your main thing is also the Berlin House music, right? True. And then with, for example, with Groovebox Masters, you have an Instagram. I don't run it, though. Yeah, but still, it's there. <laughs> it is there. It yeah. Is there. And, like, I'm also at this point, like, where I'm slowly thinking, like, because, for example, for my for my, my DJ page on Facebook, I don't use it anymore because, I, like, I never post anything there anymore because uh, I feel like, first, I feel like I'm not reaching anyone. Like, as I, as I explained earlier, like, on Instagram... I, I, I reach way more people and then on Facebook I reach just so much less people that I'm feeling like, okay, it's not worth it really. Like, um, and also I feel like there's, I feel there's definitely a shift, like more and more people use Facebook much less than Instagram. And um, yeah, so I was at this point where I was actually, I'm I'm starting to think or like considering to actually delete my Facebook page because I feel like I'm thinking what kind of use does it have now? Um, but yeah, the the events once they start again, I guess. I yes, but I think the analytics, analytics tools and the um, generally advertising that's still mainly done through Facebook. Yeah, probably. So if you want to be promoting events, yeah, for sure. Like sponsored. For sure. If I was if I was a bit more famous, I would do it. <laughs> 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 but like, yeah, maybe I'm not. I'm not at this point yet. But I'm. I'm looking forward to hopefully be at this point at some point where yes. i can be like okay i'm i'm known enough now i don't need this anymore you know <laughs> i can just delete it that would be that would be awesome yeah. i would love that <laughs> so let's say in a scenario where there is no pandemic anymore yeah and you're allowed to organize a party yeah what kind of party would it be <laughs> so what what kind of lineup not specific but you know would it be like okay let's you mean if like money wouldn't be an issue like and like i would i could pay the the, the artist as much as i want 
Um, it's yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was first was thinking about going a more realistic kind of thing. Let's okay. say end of pandemic. Okay. But we can also go the other way. Well, okay. So in my so in my ideal world, yes. If I would yes. if I would create a club, let's say, should we talk about how, how I would open a club? Or if I would just do a party in an already existing location? I thought a party in an already existing <laughs> okay. location. But to be honest, <laughs> we can take it from anywhere. Okay, so in my ideal world, I would have probably like three floors. Because I think... Um, so I'm starting now really from scratch, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so I think if a club is too big, like let's say you have like four or five floors, it makes people wander around and never rest. Yeah. Because they're like, hmm, I'm on this floor. It's it's kind of nice, but there's four other floors. Maybe there's something better going on in the other floor, you know. And it would really like, and uh, it would really um, enhance this FOMO feeling. <laughs> and uh, so I think, yeah. So I think less floors is better for sure. So people don't wander around aimlessly. Um, I still think it's important to have more than one floor because if you only have one floor, you really, you really depend on this one floor and you really have to have DJs that are able to not only like to, to play their own style, but like adapt to people who have completely different kind of needs in that moment. And that's super hard to do. Um, Unless it's like a really small club, right? Like Golden Gate, where it's like, it's this like vibe of this communicate, like community vibe. You only have this one small floor and everyone is there yeah. because there's also not much space to hang out somewhere else. True. <laughs> so that's different. That's a different story. But um, I'm thinking like it's important to have, uh, to, to give people the opportunity to fulfill what they need in that moment. So I would create three different floors with very different vibe so i would for sure have one like big rave dark floor <laughs> with really loud good sound system you know and you have like really like ravey music like yeah. people who really really want to work out and like like punch it you know mm -hmm. um and then i would have like one floor with like also electronic music but like more a bit more like you know on, on the big dark floor it would be very uh, sinister vibe you know like very dark and like Yeah, just brutal. <laughs> and then, like, you would need a, another floor as a contrary for that yes. to, like, give people a bit more, like, happy vibes, you know, like, more easygoing, a bit more housey, a bit more happy music, you know, for the people who need to, like, yeah, need to find their happy place in the club house or whatever. Music. I mean, house, yeah, I mean, yeah. not normally. It can also be, it could also be, like, it doesn't have to be house necessarily, but a bit more easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, if you say so. And then I would like to have a third floor with trash music. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, the best, like, I mean, no, not the best party experiences, but definitely the most fun experiences I definitely had in places where they had trash music. <laughs> because, you know, like, it's so, like, it's, first of all, it's a, it's a big contrast to everything else in the club. And I think, like, trash music can be so much fun because you... You know, you know all the songs, you can sing along, you can make like really silly and stupid moves and just and also like it's not so set on a certain genre. So you can have a hip hop song and then you have like R&B, then you have like pop. And this gives you a lot of differences all the time or like a lot of um, uh, change through the through the set. Yeah. 
and um and yeah i just really like that you know like this like trunk people like twerking <laughs> to trash music i love it um yeah and this is then so you would meet i think in that scenario you would ho hopefully i don't know but from in my opinion i yes. hope you would you would meet all the needs that people have in the club okay i don't know if that's true maybe a chill out zone would also yes. be good yes i was about to mention that yeah but then you would have to have four floors and then it's so big again um yeah because if you But which club would you do it in which club yes well you need to find a club that has three floors yeah i know but like you know um hmm Which club does have three <clears throat> floors? Let me think. So there's Mensch Meyer, who also have these kind of, they have these kind of uh, concepts of like having very different music in the way I just described. Yeah. Which I think is really nice. Um, and you can have Berghain, but that's very big and very utopic <laughs> that you are so. able to make a party there and like actually have all three floors <laughs> for your own program. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. But they would also probably not be so cool with having a trash floor. <laughs> Just imagine a trash floor in there. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, and yeah, what else is there? I don't know. Is there any other clubs that has three floors in Berlin? Mm. I actually don't... I cannot think of any. Ipsa? Mm. Yes. If you take the outdoor as well. Yeah, okay, if you take the outdoor, you actually have a lot of opportunities. Uh, yeah. A lot of options. What about Sisyphus? Yeah, I wasn't thinking of Sisyphus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, true, Sisyphus would work too. Oh, I was also thinking about Blank, if you use the garden. And mm -hmm. No, actually, about Blank has three indoor floors. They also have the tent, mm -hmm. which is... Uh, and yeah, I like about Blank, so I would probably go for about Blank okay. for my for my really cool uh, after-corona party. <laughs> I'm totally going to pull up. <laughs> But who would you ask to play, let's say? Like who? Who? As in... The lineup wise, what you, kind of you want me to drop names now? Mm, uh, I don't know, yes, I don't know. Ooh. Can we? I don't know, like, do we want to? Pooh, <laughs> I mean, let's say if, um, okay, if money wasn't an issue, right? Yes, um, well, I would have on the main, <clears throat> I would have on the main floor, I would have <sighs> that's tough. That's a tough question. Also, I don't want to drop any names, to be honest. Yes. No, I understand. Um, I get that. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just used to talk, you know, like in a more... <laughs> <laughs> more business way. <laughs> no, more personal way with no microphones on. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we would drop names usually. Yeah, definitely. Well, one thing I definitely would do is probably, yeah, I would book a lot of female artists for sure. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, <laughs> that's my only concept. <laughs> Book more female artists, I don't know. Good. Um, but yeah, I think generally it's, um, I mean, you had this in doing, so for example, at Quick Belma now, we had to come up with um, different concepts because we cannot dance, right? So, and I think it's interesting these, I mean, I like these kind of concepts where you have different kind of arts in the club. It's not only DJ sets. But let's say you can also have a concert or you try different things just in the or daytime. You have some performances, you know, like, I don't know, like some variety, like hula hoop artists, whatever. There's a lot of cool things and um, which gives like this whole like experience of clubbing a whole different level because it's not only about music anymore. And I really like these concerts. And this is a thing... Um, 
I think when we co when we go back to this, what you asked me in the beginning about uh, how do I imagine uh, uh, the the scene after Corona? Yeah. Um, I think what the scene hopefully learned in this time is to find alternative concepts and to work on um, not only relying on DJ sets um, because I I was a bit. I mean, that was also this big um, shitstorm, I mean, on, on social media when, when United Restream started and the DJs would just play, they would just play their sets down like they are in a club full of people and they would just play exactly the same thing. And I found that so awkward and so boring as well, you know, and not considering that people are actually sitting at home. They're not in a big club with a booming sound system around them, but they're, they're listening to this on home speakers and you play really hard techno for like two hours yeah it's like what the fuck dude like <laughs> it's so yeah i think it's very limited to do it that way um and this is the thing i hope that people maybe learned in this time to like maybe find alternative ways of approaching djing and approaching music in general because it's you don't have this dance floor anymore everything was oriented on the dance floor or to the dance floor and uh, now you don't have this anymore at all. So you have to find, you have to come up with other ways in the best scenario. <laughs> um, and this is something I hope might maybe, you know, in the yeah. future will maybe be used more. Also like in the club itself to not only, only go with the same things over and over and over again. Because let's be honest, like club nights, they used to be more or less the same always, right? Yeah. And... Um, this is something what I would like to see, like more of a variety in general in, in the clubs, like different kind of concepts, like things that have a bit more value just to the music itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I think this is maybe like a very good lesson um, for the whole music industry. <laughs> hey, music uh, industry, listen now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think... It's very, yeah, but this is the sad thing because the music industry is about music, but through the hard times, we need to learn how to combine into different arts to become more essential to yeah. survive. Yeah. Um, yes, but it is a good vision, I think, for the future if um, wanted to flourish, basically. Yeah, and I think you also have to come up with these new things in the future somehow. Yeah. I don't know, I feel like maybe, I mean, we've seen it already that um, the whole the whole system, you know, they, they, it's a stupid example, but, you know, like clubs and everything, that everything that has to do with culture has to close, but then, you know, soccer games still happen. Like, what what is this about? Like, this is ridiculous. It's just because, yeah, soccer is like so important for the civilization, right? But it's just a fucking game. Sorry to everyone who loves soccer. I know this is... <laughs> has probably more value than this, but to me it's really like that, you know, it's, it's a sport, it's a sport, it's just, it has, of course, it also creates this kind of like community vibe around it because people have fans and then they have the their teams that they support and stuff, I understand this, but um, I just think it's very twisted and shows like the society we live in, right? Like how how they put um, more value on, on some things than others. Yeah, I think also like money-wise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really, really sad. Yeah. It's really, really fucking sad. Um, but it is the reality of things. 
Yep. You have to deal with it. That's why the world is such a bad place. <laughs> no, I think we're still like pretty lucky to be healthy. Chill, of course surviving because of course. a lot of people you know of course no hard. of course we are really, really lucky to be in germany where i mean even though the, the rates are so high now but like still we have all these freedoms and there there was some i mean even, i'm not saying it was enough support like financial support but there was some kind of support right like there's other countries where nothing like that is where you probably don't even have health health insurance and you get corona and then what you're totally screwed yeah um so of course yeah of course we were lucky in germany but we can see this as a positive thing but on the other hand we can also see that it could be it could also be so much better and yeah and even though germany might be better than other countries at the moment it's still not good in that sense um yeah full stop (laughs) (laughs) yes Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. No worries. Just hit you there. I'm um, just gonna check for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for how long have we been talking now? So this is another hour and seven minutes. Damn. With the other one. Okay. So I think we're about solid too, at least. I think that was a good, also good last statement. Yes. Germany is shit. (laughs) (laughs) You should do better with your culture and stuff. No, for sure. sure. But if you still have certain subjects, something you want to share, some points that you want to throw out there in the world. I think I'm good. I'm actually, I'm not used to talk that much, you know. I'm more, actually, I'm, I think I prefer like over, I prefer listening over talking. It was very funny. I was meeting with my friend the other day and uh, I really, really love her because she's so like when we talk, it's like it's like a trip, basically. And we have so many topics to talk about. And it's like every time we just talk away for hours and then afterwards I feel almost high. Yeah. And it's amazing to have people where you can talk like that. And um, she was saying a very smart thing, which I'm going to uh, quote now. Yes. <laughs> um, she said that um, she prefers listening because... When she talks, she cannot learn anything, right? And if you actually listen to other people, what they are saying, you learn so much more. Yes. And I found that very, I mean, it's totally true. And I found it very wise, this kind of view, right? Because a lot of people have this, like, they need to talk and they, they have to, like, prove themselves and they have to show how much they know and blah, blah, blah. Um, while you actually, you're learning so much more when you're just listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I think it's always interesting to see the silent type because they're just observing and learning basically how exactly we, how and they're just like doing. leeching they're 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 getting smarter and smarter yes. from just listening but i think there's also kind of a fight about positions when it comes to groups you know or like uh, your status mm-hmm. um and well maybe thinkers have like the i don't know it's <laughs> <laughs> Um, the thinkers is not then competing into the leader role of the group. Yeah, because they don't need to deal with like they they don't basically they don't they don't need this for their whole own self esteem, right? True. I think people who really have to like talk a lot and they don't leave any room for other people to talk. 
uh, it's very toxic. And um, for me, it really shows that, you know, this person, okay, this person has issues with themselves if they cannot let other people talk and they cannot, I mean, there's that, also this type that lets other people talk, but they don't, they don't um, take what the other person said and like continues that thought. They just say like, aha, uh -huh, okay. And then they start talking about their own shit again. Yes. And, um, and yeah, it's like, <laughs> but I was always amazed by this actually when people just keep on talking about, you know, their stuff and it's not a two way conversation. It's yeah. just one way. Yeah. Um, but it kind of illustrates the need of people talking about stuff they do or they have, or they have done yeah. in a weird way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's different moderate motivations for them to talk but i think i mean you probably cannot generalize that every person that has to talk a lot has issues with themselves no no for sure not no but, but that's not what i no, no i know i know yeah yeah uh, because i said it earlier that's why yeah. but um yeah I, i don't know like for me because I, i've always been more like a listening type or like more silent type i think and i've just learned at some point to just talk a bit more And yeah. also feeling comfortable within the role of like being the one talking and having people listening to you. Mm -hmm. Because uh, of course, it's also a nice feeling to talk and like get the attention of other people and, and really realize, okay, they're actually interested in what I'm saying. Of course, that's a nice feeling. Yeah. I'm not going to deny that. But like there's these people who really need this, you know, like this is where they draw all their self-esteem from and where they like if they don't get to like talk about these things they would have the feeling like they, they are not worth anything. Yes. Um, and I think this is where it's very toxic because, yeah, you shouldn't draw your self-esteem from anything like that. Of course not. No. no. That is true. I recognize this actually in a few of my friends. <laughs> But you're not going to drop any names. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think this is something good if you can actually, you know, talk about it with them and work towards a long-term like improvement you know of course because at the end your friends also for a reason and you want the best for them so you need to put some of that hard yeah. love in you know of course <laughs> <laughs> and i mean it's good that they have a friend like you who actually points these things out because i think a lot of people are also not aware of that they're actually doing that and they don't leave any room for other people yeah. to talk and i find this very very tiring if i'm in a group Whereas there's like, let's say one or two people always talking, talking and you try to say something, but they just would cut you off immediately again and start talking about their own shit without even like re re uh, relating to anything you said before. That's not, as you said, it's a one way conversation. And why would I then keep talking? Like, I don't see the sense. I'm not talking, you know, like I want to say my opinions to hear what other people respond to it, basically. And if that's not happening, that's not a conversation. Sure. So then I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm gonna, just going to shut up now because it's not worth it to talk. I'm going to save my energy. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how you, what you can actually achieve just being silent and not really oh, listening. Yeah. And they just keep on and they think, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, cool, dude. You do your story, you know. Yeah, yeah. just keep talking. Out. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm done yeah, yeah. zoning out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's super tiring, like on the long term. <laughs> yes. And then I would just be like, okay, I'm going home now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Never see you again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I really need to go to the toilet. 
I'm sorry, I drank all this matcha. <laughs> all right, so I think you're gonna put an end to this. Yes. All right. Well, um, thank you for the conversation. <laughs> yes, thank you for having the conversation. It was very nice. And I think then um, after I finish reading the book, we will do another episode. Okay, sure. About, about uh, feminism. About feminism. Ooh, I would like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. <laughs> thank you, everybody. And have a good one. Ha <laughs> ha